Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books in Israel Studies, part of the New Books Podcast Network. I'm Peter Bergaman, and today we're talking to Yaakov Yadgar about his new book, Israel's Jewish Identity Crisis, State and Politics in the Middle East. The book provides a novel analysis of the interplay between Israeli nationalism and Jewish tradition, arriving at a fresh understanding of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict through its focus on on internal questions about Israeli identity. Yaakov Yadgar, congratulations on the publication of the book. Thank you, Peter, and thank you for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. Um, I suppose a good place to begin would be to ask you what your motivation for this book was in the first place. Frustration. I guess my main motivation for embarking on this project as a whole has been um, a specific frustration with the predominant discourse on Israeli nationalism and its uh, uh, claim to Jewishness. Specifically, I've been... uh, very uncomfortable with the way concepts and categories which are allegedly universal but obviously embodied in histories and cultures are applied to the Israeli, Zionist, and Jewish cases as if uh, these categories don't carry a baggage with them, as if uh, what we uh, use to analyze Europe at a certain point of time immediately uh, applies to Israel, and then uh, we can go on and uh, and understand uh, both history and contemporary reality. Or let me put it more crudely, mm-hmm. I'm I'm frustrated with a discourse that narrates a simplified narrative of secularization and modernization that assumes Israel to be essentially a secular nation state, like all other nation states in Europe. Let's put it like that. Uh, that is somehow forced into a complicated relationship with its religious past, usually we are told due to the coercion of this uh, minority of religious Jews. Uh, I think this simply misses the picture. It misses a a whole array of issues having to do with uh, the historical nature of Judaism, of uh, Zionism, of Israeli nationalism. and most of my work uh, in recent years has focused on that. My previous book, uh, Sovereign Jews, uh, aimed at uh, maybe giving a more uh, a wider uh, perspective of these uh, conceptual issues. Uh, this book, Israel's Jewish Identity Crisis, was more immediately motivated with a sense that as a fundamental feature of Israeli politics that simply evades commentators. Uh, I'm speaking of the charged, ultimately unresolved nature of how the state uh, identifies as a a Jewish state or as a state for Jews. Right. I also narrate in my preface, I'm sorry, just to to complete this, I also narrate in my preface a more immediate uh, um, motivation. I really came to understand that I I should write the book when I was teaching a course on, uh, what was it, religion and politics in Israel, while the campus was teeming with students' politics regarding uh, the conflict. And I found that the students couldn't really see how internal issues of religion and politics correspond with external issues of the the conflict. And as I see it, these are two aspects of the same issue. And uh, I think, I hope that the book uh, brings this to the fore. I, I, absolutely, and I think we'll talk about the the the, the, the conflict, the Israel-Palestine conflict, at the very end of this. But what I one thing struck me in your book, which which never occurred to me before, and I'm, I would say I was I'm somebody who who's not completely unfamiliar with the concept of nationalism, is that in fact there seems to be a fundamental problem here, insofar as Zionist ideology based, which is a Western European nationalist, quote unquote, secularist um, undertaking. Um, is secular only insofar as it is kind of, uh, I suppose, uh, recognizes the, its kind of a, its anti-Christian um, um, roots. And I wonder if you can speak a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I think the issue of um, 
how we identify Zionism vis-a-vis secularism and modernization is is one of the major issues to to tackle in order to understand modern day Israel. Uh, Israel is an interesting uh, state for many reasons. One of them is that the state actually emerges out of an ideology. So first comes the ideology, then comes the project to uh, to manifest the ideology, and then this project brings to life a state which is shaped in its light. Uh, it's almost commonsensical. It's almost trivial to say that sec- yeah. that Zionism was the secularization of Jewish of Judaism or Jewishness or Jewish tradition. But when you study what the meaning of this secularization is, all you're left with is big question marks. So obviously there was an anti-rabbinical motivation that drove much of the, uh, uh, how would I call it, reinvention of of, of Zionist ideologues. But beyond that, when you uh, consider their claim to Jewish nationalism and you study how they understood Jewish nationalism, you're left with, with a very murky notion of what this secularization is about, specifically when um, put into the context of the larger critique of secularism that really has uh, uh, primarily to do with uh, the sources of this thesis in Europe uh, and questions the very viability of the duality of secular versus religious. When, when this criticism is applied to Israel, you can see that the theopolitics of the state are, uh, to a large degree, just uh, a reformulation of what we would usually call a religious worldview. Just, well, the, the place of God is taken now by uh, by the sovereign nation state. Uh, but uh, to see this as, as an alleged secularization uh, doesn't really make much sense. Right. Uh, there is, in fact, no true separation of church and state in Israel. I mean, on a very basic level. Well, let's 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 stop and and consider our vocabulary. Church and state, as a duality, emerges out of a specific uh, history and culture. In Israel, there is no church because Judaism does not have a church. And to think of the synagogue as the equivalent of a church is simply a mistake. Uh, you know, we have books on secularization and uh, um, or secularism in Israel that carry this synagogue and state in their title or at least in their uh, in the text as if it's equivalent to church and state. Right. Judaism is not a religion in the sense that Christianity has come to be a religion. The term itself is such a complicated and, and charged one. Um, the church is, I'm sorry, the synagogue is not a church. Synagogue does not function as a church. Judaism has never had the institution of uh, of such a church. Um, so the, the different histories of Jews, the different traditions of Jews that kind of coalesce uh, in Israel with the establishment of the state uh, brings to life a much more complicated relationship. So not only is it, uh, well, is there none uh, a separation between church and state uh, to see the state as supposedly essentially secular from the from the get-go is a problematic uh, so, Yaakov, I suppose then I'd want to ask, what do you perceive Israel's Jewish identity crisis to be? And perhaps a related question that follows on from that, what is so Jewish about the Jewish state? Peter, this is exactly the Jewish identity crisis that I'm speaking of. The uh, the inability or, 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 or the uh, continuing unsuccessful attempt to give a viable agreed upon, convincing answer to the question of the meaning of Israel's Jewish identity. What does it mean for Israel to be a Jewish state? Now, for some people, some prominent uh, uh, strata in Israeli society, this very question is a problematic one because they would argue Israel is not a Jewish state. Israel is a state of Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you read the, the liberal Zionist uh, uh, papers, for example, this would be almost a recurring theme that it is wrong to refer to Israel as a Medina Yehudit, as a Jewish state, mm-hmm. because they read this as uh, uh, immediately implying that uh, there should be some religious element to the politics of the state. This has to do with the fact that, uh, at least from this liberal Zionist point of view, uh, the duality of secularism versus religion necessitates that anything that is Judaism is of religion. 
the, the, the duality, the binary simply doesn't allow for uh, an understanding of Jewishness and Judaism in a broader sense, of Jewish tradition in a broader sense, that doesn't necessarily follow what the secularist point of view would see as religious. Now, Israel claims a Jewish identity. This is actually the most fundamental element of the of the of the politics of this nation state. The, yeah. the reason for its being is being the nation state that is aimed at Jews or at Judaism. And this is where uh, the identity crisis comes to be. How does Israel manifest this claim? In, uh, in, in a setting of modern political, non-theocratic uh, uh, nation-statehood. Now, let's stop for a second and, and, and see these two terms. I, you know, I often throw them yeah. and <laughs> people get confused. As, what do yeah. I mean by that? A Jewish state, in this very narrow usage I have in mind, right, would be a state that's, that corresponds essentially to some sense of Judaism. This does not have to be rabbinical Judaism. This does not have to be halachic Judaism. Uh, Jewish history really provides us with such a wealth of understanding of what Judaism is. But there will be some positive correspondence between the constitution of the state, the laws of the state, the way the state understands itself, and what we would call Judaism. Again, I, I can't give you a, 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 an exact description of this because this is really a an open question. A state of the Jews, on the other hand, simply says that the majority of the population is of Jewish origin. But then the crisis is further exasperated by the fact that the state itself cannot uh, account for what uh, uh, makes one Jewish. It right. designates the job of being the gatekeeper, of deciding who's a Jew and who's not a Jew, to someone else, the rabbis in this uh, regard without offering an alternative to this rabbinical reading, which is really indifferent to matters of uh, nation-statehood. The rabbinical Judaism developed its notion of Jewishness uh, uh, in a state of lacking sovereignty, and it has never been truly a political question for, uh, uh, for rabbinical Judaism. It's it's a very good point, and I think this leads me to my next question very very smoothly, actually. And and you note in the book, and I'm going to quote now, the inherent tension or contradiction between, on one hand, a secularist discourse and conceptual framework born out of the history and politics of the modern European nation state, which designates uh, secular rational politics and religion into separate realms of human life. And on the other hand, the particularities of Zionist and Jewish histories, which do not obey this framework's expectations, and I'm end of quote. Um, and to illustrate this point, you use the example of, of religious conversion to show that in present day Israel, uh, it is difficult, if not impossible, to separate the phenomenon of, of Israeli nationhood from the idea of Jewish nationhood. And I wondered if you could please walk us through your argument here. Well, you know, anyone who follows Israeli politics or, or, or follow the new, follows the news uh, from Israel uh, could really be perplexed by the fact that uh, the religious issue of conversion, the fundamentally religious issue of conversion conducted by rabbis and the way they understand conversion to Judaism, so giyur, this is a specific, yes. a specific act that we're talking about, is a political matter. Why do... Secular newspapers, for example, and secular politicians continuously intervene and, in, and get involved and, and, and criticize and comment on the way some rabbis conduct or, or, or uh, interpret the law regarding uh, Giyu. Uh, and also related to this, another you know, uh, um, perplexing phenomena is um, the perception by most Israelis, from the left and from the right, religious and secular and traditional, uh, the common view in Israel that a growing population within the state of citizens who immigrated legally to the state, who happened not to be Jewish, they immigrated to the state and received uh, almost immediate citizenship by, um, uh, by the application of the law of return, that yes. allows uh, citizenship also to relatives of Jews, why is the consensus in Israel determines these people to be a problem? Why, to quote uh, a liberal Zionist uh, uh, a scholar, 
why is this third group, third as in not Jews and not Palestinian Arabs, what are they a time bomb? I'm quoting uh, uh, someone here. Right. Um, and I think the two are uh, obviously uh, related and they, are, can, they can be answered by asking a third question, which is, again, a naive question. Let us consider this. How one does, how does one, I'm sorry, how does one become a member of the nation that the state of Israel is sovereign in the name of? So how does one become a member of the Israeli nation? Mm-hmm. How does the state, what does the state allow by way of naturalization into part of the collective that is the nation of which Israel is the nation state? The answer yes. is crudely, the answer is that there is no gate offered by the state of Israel. The, it, it, what I'm referring to here, again, to, to maybe in, untangle some of these questions that I'm asking the state of Israel and Zionist ideology preceding it has not developed a political, independent, not religious, as if as in not being dictated by rabbinical interpretations of Jewish law, understanding of Jewishness. And when the state needs now to uh, uh, to govern and maintain the borders between the in group and the out group, it relies on a rabbinical gatekeeping exercise, which, as I noted earlier, really is not a political tool in the sense that it is not interested in the politics of the nation state. Uh, the rabbis famously, historically, really didn't encourage people to uh, to convert into Judaism. They didn't really encourage uh, the growing of the community by way of uh, conversion, uh, which is, um, from the point of view of the state, a problem. At the same time, Israel uh, being uh, uh, constituted on a demographical uh, uh, requirement of keeping a majority of, uh, uh, conserving a majority of Jews over non-Jews in Israel, finds the presence of non-Jews within the nation as a problem which shouldn't really be so if you consider liberal democracy as your, uh, well, as a horizon in this regard. Um, so ultimately, I think the, the, the issue of, uh, of the controversy, the political controversy surrounding uh, conversion shows us the problem of the application of the idea that Israel is only a state of the Jews, only in the sense that it doesn't have to carry a normative sense of Judaism, without the state itself or the politics of the state or the ideology that, uh, you know, manifests the state, uh, without them offering a viable, independent from rabbinical authority venue for joining uh, the Jewish or the Israeli nation. Right. And could I maybe give one kind of even more, uh, for, for me, Perhaps a stranger example. I have many friends who converted through non-orthodox st- um, streams of Judaism, so either through Reform or through Mazorti or through the conservative movement in North America, who are now citizens of Israel and became citizens of Israel on the basis of these conversions, which are kind of accepted by the, let's say, um, the government as Jewish enough to get in, but once they get there, they're really not on the same, let's say, level as as people who did or- orthodox conversions. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. And this has to do also with uh, the developing, uh, uh, how would I call it, the politics of the denominations of Judaism inside and outside yes. of Israel. But to confuse even more the picture, and I'm sorry, my answers <laughs> were not really clarified or confused. Uh, think about not uh, those cases of people converting outside of Israel and immigrating to Israel, but think about those people who immigrated to Israel, again, legally and received immediate citizenship by virtue of them being descendants of Jews. Yes. Who are then required or encouraged, not required, I'm sorry, they're encouraged, strongly encouraged by the state, actually through, of all the state institutions, through the army. That's right. Go and figure this out. Uh, an army in which the rabbis usually don't serve, or at least they prefer not yeah. to serve. Yeah. Why, do, why are these people encouraged by the state to convert through an orthodox process that demands of them to take on an, not just an identity, but a way of life, at least for the process of, during the process of conversion, 
which most Israelis don't know about and don't care about and maybe are even critical of. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so to, to, to put it again, maybe in simpler terms, the rabbinical, the orthodox rabbinical courts who oversee as a matter of monopoly granted to them by the state, we can't overstate that, right? This is, right. they have the monopoly because the state granted them this monopoly. Yes. Uh, they insist that the converts go through a process of not just recreation of the self, but also recreation of the social fabric within which the self is uh, is located. So these people are uh, encouraged to send their kids, the, the converts are encouraged to, ki- to send their kids to uh, religious Orthodox schools. They yes. are expected to live uh, an observant Orthodox lifestyle uh, before they are being granted the, you know, the approval of their uh, becoming uh, Jews. Orthodox Jews are a minority in Israeli society. Only yes. roughly 20% of Israeli Jews observe this lifestyle and many view it really negatively. So yes. why does the state who is not run by the rabbis do that? The answer is obviously that, as, as I alluded to earlier, this is the only tool with which the state can uh, uh, um, supervise, in a sense, or have someone else supervise for it, yeah. the gate of inclusion and exclusion within the uh, nation. So, Yaakov, you undertake a detailed discussion of the genesis and development of Israel's Chok HaLeum, or the, what we call in English the basic law, Israel, the nation-state of the Jewish people, which the Knesset passed two years ago. For you, is this law a, histor- a historical watershed or an obvious outright redundant repackaging of the Zionist goal? And a further question, I would say, where do you think is the greater Zionist ideological dishonesty, to use a provocative term, with the traditional nationalist Zionist right? or the liberal Zionist left? Peter, it really is interesting uh, to see, to, to read the reactions to the law over a long decade of uh, uh, debates and controversies surrounding it before it, uh, well, and ever since it uh, became a, a, a law. Um, it's interesting to see how the reactions both and at the same time claim that it is such a historical watershed uh, ominous or very promising, depending on your point of view, and at the same <laughs> exactly. time that it is simply trivial in uh, uh, in specifying written in written law what the Zionist project has always been about, what Israel has always been about. Yes, um, I think one fruitful way to understand uh, the nation state bill and the controversies surrounding it and the discussions surrounding it is to think about it as an attempt primarily to buttress and reiterate the idea of Israel as the state of Jews, especially (laughs) the interpretation of this identity as legitimizing and even uh, demanding the preference of Jews as a collective, at least, if not as individuals, over others, primarily Palestinian Arabs. Yes. Um, uh, uh, You could see this easily in the first instances of the bill where the main impetus of the law was to uh, uh, highlight Israel's Jewish identity over its democracy and from this to uh, derive at uh, a legitimation of, for example, uh, uh, allowing um, segregation in settlements or allowing the establishment of uh, settlements for Jews only a practice which has been um, uh, ruled illegal by the or unconstitutional by the Supreme Court uh, tw- 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very interestingly, what happened is that when the formulators of the law came to try and uh, and maybe uh, again, but trust this uh, sense of the Jewish uh, the, the state of Jews, they were also required to maybe account for even if only as a lip service. Yes. Uh, for a definition of Israel as a Jewish state. And the, and the law, I think anyone who could read it can see that it does a very modern work, very modern job in uh, defining Israel's Jewishness. It, uh, at some point, it's really abstract. At some point, it really is trivial. At, at other points, it, uh, you know, it makes simply uh, uh, little sense in its mm-hmm. claim of making Israel a, a, a Jewish state. 
I think the law is interesting in this regard because it is a manifestation of the crisis. Um, the proposal uh, in 2009 and the discussion emanating from it uh, until yeah, uh, two years ago, summer two years ago, brought to life uh, a very heated conversation and debate and a lot of misunderstanding regarding Israel's claim to Jewish identity, exactly because there is no agreed-upon understanding of what this mm-hmm. claim uh, amounts to. Well, who's more problematic? Is the left or the right more uh, <laughs> in a bigger of a problem? I'm, I'm rephrasing your question, not, sure. not to use it. Uh, because obviously we are judgmental here in a sense, but this is not a... I, I hope it's a... And, uh, you know, a study and not an inquisition of the case. Absolutely. Um, and I would even rephrase my question even a third time and say, you know, who's more dishonest with themselves, the, the traditional nationalist <laughs> right or the liberal yeah, Zionist left? Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to very provocatively so, get at. Maybe, again, maybe it's trivial, but still uh, deserves to be mentioned that while it is the case nowadays in Israel, if you read the papers, to identify between secularism and liberalism and leftism, yes. It is not historically the case that the that secularism has been the uh, uh, the monopoly of only one side in Israeli uh, political map or the Zionist political map. To put it differently, right. the right. Israeli the Israeli and the Zionist right have always also been vehemently secular, at least historically yeah. so. So secularism and the the challenges that this secularist self understanding poses is relevant for both uh, uh, for both cases i think the liberal zionist uh, and my book my book really f- uh, gives much more attention to the liberal zionist discourse yes. i think I, I i i i think they are simply much more interesting and they bring to the fore much more clearly the identity crisis at hand exactly because of the commitment to at least the liberal rhetoric if not to liberalism yes. itself um let me put it crudely. Mm-hmm. An understanding of Israel as a state of Jews immediately touches upon racial notions of nationhood. Let's yes. call it ethnicity. Let's call it ethnonationalism. Sure. It's a it's a very direct application of a problematic East European sense of organic nationalism that almost necessarily supersedes liberalism and democracy. Mm-hmm. So this is a problem for for a liberal Zionist uh, point of view, uh, which would uh, be highly critical of either, obviously of racism, but also of racial politics and of, uh, 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 I want to say, limits on democracy. The Israeli right, as, uh, well, as you know, probably more than, better than most <laughs> other people, the Israeli right has been willing to give up on uh, liberal uh, uh, ideology. Uh, recently, it has been more comfortable with the notions of illiberal democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even m- more importantly, if we judge uh, the Israeli right by the way uh, the Netanyahu governments have been mm-hmm. uh, conducting themselves throughout the last two decades, the Israeli right seems to be simply falling in the footsteps of the religious Zionism in Israel, or at least allowing mm-hmm. the religious Zionist point of view, which, uh, well, puts the state in the role of God and then worships both of them as if they were one, uh, as dictating what the meaning of uh, uh, right-wing Zionism means. Uh, and this is, not an un- this is not an uninteresting uh, um, case, but in a sense, it's a more simple application of this illiberal uh, organic nationalism that we see in Eastern Europe. And here, um, the identity crisis, in a sense, solves itself in a very crude way that has very little to do with Judaism and with Jewish traditions uh, and has much to do with the history of nationalism in modern Europe. Right. And I think one interesting point, and you, you kind of bring this out in the book, you know, some people really on, the, let's say, the Marxist left now, so scholars like Shlomo Avenieri, I mean, to say that, you know, to your Marxist uh, Zionist, to the degree Avenieri says he is, contains a contradiction. Because if you're such a strong internationalist and a nationalist, you know, to, and to say that, well, I'm an internationalist that's a Zionist, there's a, dico- there's a contradiction here somewhere in an, from an ideological point of view. I agree. And I think one of the... Uh, one of the questions that brings this uh, contradiction to life, 
or the attempt of the or the problematic synthesis, if you like, of these two different elements of Jewish nationalism or Zionism and uh, and liberalism or Marxism or internationalism or so- socialism is indeed the question of how uh, Jewish identity or the claim to Jewish nationalism is understood in this uh, regard. Avinari is very interesting in this regard because uh, not only is a is a main scholar, probably the most prominent scholar of Zionist ideology mm-hmm. in our time, uh, not to discount others, obviously, but um, yes. a very influential formulators of uh, these ideas. But also, recently, more recently, uh, he he holds a, a prominent role as a public intellectual around uh, 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 central uh, around which. Uh, a lot of the debate on secularism and Israeli nationalism has coalesced, specifically because uh, Avineri argues that secularism per se is not an ideology. That secularism always comes as a as a template for other ideologies. In his case, I guess uh, the preferred one would be socialism or at least uh, right. yeah, social democracy. But it's interesting to see how he corresponds with other secularist uh, spokesperson who see their commitment to secularism as superseding everything else, including, in a sense, their commitment to liberalism and to Jewish nationalism. Right. Within within the framework of Israeli nationalism, which is the source of the problem. Right. But I think what I would say, while I agree with you completely, that secularism is not such an ideology, internationalism is, and Zionism is. So so someone like the figure if if we stick with, you know the Marxist Zionists, at least on this, there, there's a massive contradiction in an ideological contradiction to me, and I find that some at times rather bizarre. <laughs> and, I think I, I think it comes to light most uh, clearly nowadays if you read the public discourse, if you follow the public discourse in Israel, yeah. uh, not uh, surrounding internationalism or Marxism or socialism, but specifically surrounding notions of liberty and uh, and, and, and individualism. Because uh, the tension between this commitment to uh, individual liberty and the commitment to a sense of uh, Israel being a state of Jews, uh, the, the contradiction simply is too uh, too apparent to ignore. But still, sometimes you can read many comments who who do ignore it. Right. So, so moving on a little then, um, I would say focusing on the nature of Jewish-Israeli society, you note the book, and I quote again, a looming danger by which Israeli Jews' indifference to matters of what would usually be termed, quote-unquote, Jewish tradition, might bring about a national political, as defined in the Zionist outlook, disintegration, end of quote. Now, there's now an effort to stave off this danger through the establishment of the Jewish Identity Administration, which notably, and I, I was rather interested to read that, uh, uh, located inside the Ministry of Religious Services. Now, such a phenomenon seems to play directly to your argument. And a further comment, perhaps, and perhaps we can discuss both of these things together. Uh, through your discussion of the birthright or the Taglit program, we seem to see a strange diametric opposition where, on one hand, diaspora Jewish Jews, or in other words, those who have some sort of Jewish religious identity, no matter how tenuous, um, are helped through the Taglit program to gain knowledge about Israel, which they lack. And on the other hand, we see Israeli Jews through the Jewish Identity Administration program uh, who are helped to gain knowledge about their Judaism, which they lack. Perhaps you could elaborate on both of those points, please. Yes. Uh, well, Peter, I must stress first that the sense of uh, a looming danger, uh, the sense that uh, the growing or what is perceived as a growing indifference and ignorance and uh, really lack of general knowledge regarding uh, matters Jewish among Israeli Jews is a looming danger. Uh, This sense has been, this is not my own perception or my own uh, point on the matter, but rather uh, a recurring theme in the discourse during the Zionist, uh, 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 well, uh, in the Zionist movement before the establishment of the State of Israel and following it. In a sense, this se- the idea that there's a problem, that within the project that is a Jewish nationalist or self-perceived as a Jewish nationalist project, within it there's a growing indifference and indifference towards and ignorance of Judaism itself and Jewishness and the history of Jews um, 
in a sense is in the DNA, if you like, or it's in the very fabric of uh, of Zionism and Israel as a state. Uh, and I guess another way of putting it is that what I refer to as a more uh, a contemporary manifestation of Israel's Jewish identity crisis has been always there, manifesting itself in uh, in different ways. What is interesting to see now is how the attempts at uh, amending for this indifference, the attempts at encouraging Israelis, Israeli Jews, to be at least uh, less ignorant of their Jewish traditions, to be more positively corresponding with a sense of tradition or history or simply put Judaism, how uh, controversial they are, how immediately they are, how they are seen immediately, I'm sorry, as falling into the rubric of religious coercion, mm-hmm. which which would only make sense if you live in a binary world where secular is the anti-religious and religious is Jewish. So um, I, I actually uh, uh, note this lingual exercise or this uh, you know translate exercise in translation that tells us yes. so much about this issue. When uh, the newspapers, when Haaretz newspaper was commenting on one of those initiatives to encourage Jewish education. The Hebrew title was, uh, of the paper was speaking of religious education. Mm-hmm. And the English translation was referring to Jewish education. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, 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 this uh, almost unseen identification between Jewish religion, as it is understood in a very specific straitjacket of Orthodox Judaism, and uh, and Judaism is part of the problem that uh, the the wide horizon of potential understanding of uh, of Jewishness and Jews and Judaism is simply left unseen or hidden in plain in plain sight. So the state plays a very heavy hand in uh, in encouraging a sense of commitment to to Jewish tradition, to Jewish identity, to Judaism, but it does so in two different ways when it refers to Israeli Jews and to non-Israeli Jews or diaspora Jews. And the difference is fascinating because when it comes to non-Israeli Jews, again, there's very little controversy. There's a wide agreement among Israelis that the best way to go about encouraging their commitment to the state of Israel that is encouraging their political commitment to the political project that is a nation state called Israel is through Jewish religion. Right. So uh, maybe mo- w- one of the latest manifestation of this is that during the debate of the nation state bill, there were suggestions that the, the law would include a declaration that the state should encourage and educate uh, Israeli Jews uh, to know about their heritage, about the tradition, about the religion, uh, and uh, and this clause uh, was vehemently criticized by liberal Zionists as amounting to religious coercion. Right. The uh, the final uh, bill that was passed by the Israeli Parliament, the Knesset, didn't let go of the clause altogether. It simply designated this Judaizing tool, if you like. Yes. to diaspora Jews. So the law now says that Israel will encourage uh, knowledge and, uh, and, and uh, uh, engagement with matters of tradition and religion also right. among diaspora Jews. But the irony, of course, is that the vast majority of American Jews, certainly and Canadian Jews, are Reform <laughs> and not Orthodox. I, I, yes, yes. And in Israel... Uh, We'll, one of the interesting questions is how come uh, Reform Judaism is such a weak, uh, uh, relatively speaking, uh, denomination where yes. a vast majority of Israeli Jews are not Orthodox. So why don't they find their their uh, uh, the Jewish identification through the Reform establishment? This is a wide question. I don't deal with it in my, in my book. I, I think it has to do with both history of the movement and uh, its relation to Zionism but also maybe more fundamentally so with the fact that the role that the Reform Synagogue or the Reform Congregation fulfills for the American Jew is fulfilled in Israel by the state. So Israeli Jews do not need the Reform Synagogue because they have the state upholding for them the Jewish identity. 
That's a very good point. So you, you're saying in a way the state, it's not it's not as religious as, say, uh, you know, going to be going to say an orthodox community or defining yourself as orthodox. But it's Jewish enough. It, it kind of keeps the citizen Jewish enough. If, if, well, is that what you're, if, I, <laughs> you know, I, I know it, it goes against the grain of the predominant discourse on Israel to say so. But and, and so, you know, I'll, I'll be provocative in sure. saying that the one the one group within Israeli Jewish society that really needs what is called religious coercion in Israel <laughs> are those non-religious people or, the, or, the, or those who identify as secular Israelis who still, uh, uh, how would I say, value their Jewish identity. I'm not, to- speaking, uh, I'm not talking about those uh, universal, vehemently secularist, anti-nationalist uh, Israelis for whom really this doesn't make uh, uh, any sense. I'm talking right. about those proverbial Israeli from the street, you know, those uh, secularists by default because they're not religious yes. Israelis, for whom being a Jew is primarily a, a matter of uh, personal and political uh, uh, implication. They are members of the of the majority. They are those for of whose the state is right. It belongs to them in a sense. Right. And for them, the fact that the state enforces a very crude, a very narrow, a very problematic interpretation of certain understanding of uh, of Jewish law, which really have very little to do with the sense of uh, you know a rabbinical interpretation of this law, sure. for these people, this enforcement of such a Jewish uh, what we call in Hebrew tzivion uh, yudi, right, uh, mm-hmm. a, a Jewish you. To the yes. to the general heir, it allows them to identify with the majority. It allows them not to feel right. part of a minority, and to to have a claim to well, a, a part of sovereignty. Right. In, in that case, then, can there be, in your opinion, such a thing as quote unquote non-Jewish Israeli nationalism? And if so, how might that look? Well, that's one of the most interesting questions I think in the history of uh, Israeli <laughs> political culture. Specifically because we do have, uh, both in in the history and in contemporary politics, uh, very systematic and, how would I say, stubborn attempts at doing exactly that, uh, defining a nativist Israeli identity, which would be primarily based on territory and maybe language. Um, but the problem, and I'm, I'm referring, if uh, if the listeners know, I'm referring to the Canaanites or the young Hebrews right. Right. Uh, in the 1940s and 50s, and more uh, recently, uh, groups such as uh, an Israeli, I am Israeli, who oh, yeah. petitioned the court, requ- requesting that the court orders the state to register them as members of the Israeli nation, as opposed to other nations they are uh, registered uh, under in the Israeli population registry. Uh, the problem with such uh, attempts at defining an Israeli nationality is simply that they ignore the conflictual history of the Zionist enterprise and the state of Israel. In other words, it could be seen, you know, logically, uh, it's not a problem to see how within the nation state of Israel there develops a national identity that we could call Israeli that is uh, maybe not even independent from Judaism, but even uh, defines itself as against Judaism, yes. which was the case of uh, the Canaanites. Um, I think in the immediate uh, term, this is an uh, this is not a viable option because it ignores that the configuration of power within which this identity now develops is premised on some Zionist. Uh, understanding of Jewish nationalism. Uh, maybe more clearly, this came to light with this uh, what, the, what I mentioned earlier, this petition to the court, which was vehemently rejected by the state and ultimately by the court, who mm-hmm. said, simply put, there is no such thing in Israeli nation. So both uh, the, the institutions of the state actively negate the viability of this uh, uh, development of uh, an Israeli nationalism, which is independent from Judaism, because it would undermine the very reason for existence of the state itself. It, that's a that's a very good uh, point, and it's I think a very good way to segue into my 
kind of one of my final questions. And that's why, while our focus now has, I'm going to start that again. Hold on. Let me just mark that. That was a really stupid thing to say. Okay. Hang on. Okay. I think that helps me uh, segue very well into the following question, uh, which is while our focus to now has been inward towards Israel and, and kind of diaspora Jewish communities, there is certainly an important external dimension to your argument. How does all of this relate to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Yaakov? Well, that's, I guess, that's the, the big question that, in a sense, uh, hovers over the whole book. Uh, as, I, uh, as, I, as I say in my, the preface, my way of engaging yeah. with it is going through the Israeli, in a sense, uh, uh, self-identity issue to see how it reflects outside on the conflict. I, uh, the Israeli collective self, in a sense, or the Israeli political self, is engaging in this conflictual relationship while not being while being internally conflictual. Um, I'll put it differently, maybe more uh, hopefully more clearly. Again, um, <laughs> it has been the Israeli government's demand that the Palestinians recognize Israel as a Jewish state as a fundamental requirement for any peace agreement or any agreement between the two sides. So right. uh, it was uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, who uh, explicitly made a demand uh, more than a decade ago, but it has been part of the negotiations, I think, throughout. The interesting fact is that if you ask Israelis themselves, if you ask the Israeli side itself, what does it mean for you to be a Jewish state, as was manifested by the nation state bill or the debate about it, right. is a very is a very murky question. I mean, the, the answer is far from being clear, exactly because this uh, demand uh, uh, um, for, well, because, exactly because this uh, uh, self-identification issue is a matter that is um, given to conflicting interpretations. Now, another way of uh, assessing the influence of, uh, of this identity crisis on the conflict is to see how it is solved ultimately. Mm-hmm. Beyond everything, beyond this all, all these interesting issues of how Israelis understand their Jewishness and so on and so forth, what's clear is that the configuration of power of the Israeli nation state is established on a simple arithmetic of us and them, of demography, right. of a yes. majority of people whom the state would consider the in-group, the nation from, for which it is sovereign, Mm-hmm. And others who are, by nature, by 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 the by the virtue, I'm sorry, of them being the outgroup, immediately understood as posing a threat to the state. Yes, it is a fact that when you start counting people by blood and put scare quotes again, around blood, because this is not uh, a literal understanding of uh, you know genetic ident- identity. Sure. Uh, but once you count, start counting people, as the national logic almost demands, not necessarily, but certainly as the organic understanding, Eastern European kind of uh, nationalism understands it, the very birth of people becomes a political matter. The right. very uh, 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 procreation, the most natural element of human uh, uh, of humankind. Um, so, in a sense, what I'm saying is that uh, the 1967 situation or the, the post-Six-Day War situation where Israel rules over a large uh, uh, population of Palestinians by way of military rule is only part of the problem here because it is something that has to do with the very uh, uh, constitutive logic of the State of Israel already in 1948 that determines this uh, identity crisis, which directly implies on uh, the conflict with non-Jews. Right. So that leads me very, very smoothly into my final question. And Yaakov, what are your suggestions for solving Israel's current Jewish identity crisis? I I do not pretend to have an answer. I I do not know the answer. I, um, you know, I am very happy with taking the position of maybe... Uh, critiquing and highlighting the problems uh, without pretending to be able to give uh, an answer. My, you know, my critique is not motivated by some hidden agenda. I can right. tell you, you know, this is a well, this is a radio or a, you know a, a, an audio uh, medium. 
So maybe the, not everybody sees me, but I can <laughs> already appreciate how it could be that my facial hair would lead some people to assumptions <laughs> regarding my, <laughs> my, uh, my preferred solution. I think, I, I think what comes out of my uh, exploration is that there is very, uh, there's an acute need for those who are interested, for those who are interested in preserving a sense of, uh, of Jewish collectivity, uh, who do see uh, a sense of uh, Jewishness and Jewish uh, or, or Judaism as an important part of their life, for such people, there's a need for uh, a reconsideration of the meaning of Jewish politics. We've assumed for many years that Jewish politics now, in a sense, coalesce around the state of Israel and how it interprets it. But Israel is struggling with this question, and it would be uh, highly valuable, I think, for um, well, groups of intellectuals, for engaged people, uh, uh, to think together, to debate and bring about a discussion which would necessarily have much more than one opinion regarding what a meaningful dialoguing with the various ways in which Jewish traditions and histories can be interpreted can then manifest itself politically. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be through a nation state. It wouldn't necessarily be through the framework of what we now understand as uh, you know various manifestations of Zionism, uh, but it would uh, it could claim an authentic sense of dialoguing with uh, with the meaning of Jewishness and Judaism. Right, Yaakov Yadgar, I feel I've monopolized your time quite enough for one morning, especially one sunny morning like this. Um, before we go, could you please tell us what projects you are currently working on? Uh, thank you, uh, Peter. Well, in the in the most immediate uh, sense, I'm uh, dealing with a project of staying sane at home during lockdown. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and watching the sun outside and not going outside because yes, we're yes, yes. not allowed yet. Uh, uh, but uh, more generally, I think uh, the logical uh, development of my current work would be indeed to go towards this issue that you that we raised last. Uh, encouraging a discussion in which the very fundamental questions regarding uh, Jewish politics are being asked and discussed, not necessarily by way of uh, solving them, but simply by way of, in a sense, re-asking the fundamental questions that have motivated so much of the politics of, of the Jewish world in modern times. Uh, we are hoping as a group maybe to to hold this discussion. We had ideas of doing this, of just re-asking or unasking the Jewish question in light of uh, both Israeli and diaspora politics. And it has been now put on hold, but uh, my hope yes. is that we will be able to further develop it uh, in a very, uh, well, near future, God willing. God willing. Yaakov Yadgar, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you, Peter.